We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Saturday, and that means you're going to get your college football preview all before the games kick off, and then you're going to get your NFL preview as well, where we go through, we pick the lines. Myself, Andrew Spade, it's a fun weekend show, especially as the Browns are on a bye week. Before we get to that, though, we do have some discussion on the Browns, and we list our three most important players for the Browns after the bye week to get the season back on track and turn the season into what we all hope it will be. So fun exercise there, looking at the key parts that need to either turn around or keep it up to keep the Browns on the right track or put them over the hump into the playoffs and perhaps beyond. And then you get all your weekend football coverage as you usually do on Saturday. Again, myself, Andrew Spade, the latest OBR film breakdown. Let's get going right now. All right, guys, welcome into your weekend show. This will actually be your only live recorded show. There's probably going to be a little bit of a replay, either chalk talk or something of the sort that I will post for Sunday. But I, I presume Sunday bye week Browns, you're not going to have a ton of interest in podcasts. You're going to take a little bit of time to step away and refresh. And, and myself, I've been recording and Andrew's been joining me on most of them for pretty much 90 straight days as the season has arrived. Uh, I should probably say 60 straight days. It feels like 90 days, but more like 60. <laughs> uh, we've been recording a lot. Let's put it that way. And I think a, a nice little Sunday, a Saturday night away from the microphone and, and let Sunday breathe a little bit before we dive back in and game week Monday will be a bit of the plan. So something will be on the feed tomorrow, but it won't be very uh, deep dive or anything probably relevant to the most recent days of the week. So keep your eye out for that if you're interested and you need something. Otherwise, we're going to record a whole Saturday, Sunday bit here, which is going to be our usual Saturday show. We'll guess the lines, have some data from last week, how we did. And then um, off the bat here, though, Andrew, I want to talk about, I think, three players that are most important to the Browns second half. Now, uh, as you and I listed these, it turned into a couple players here for one answer, but I think that's yeah. okay because they're they're tied together. So uh, I will let you hit lead off here. Uh, go first. So we're looking at three players we think outside of Deshaun. The obvious answer is Deshaun. The obvious answer is you could say Kevin Stefanski, but mm. we're going to avoid those because I feel like we maybe talked about them enough in the past. <laughs> so uh, we will we will just look at players outside of those two, and these are people we think are going to dictate the outcome. It's not even the second half; it's the second two thirds of the season or whatever, right. three fourths. So. Yeah, the majority of the season. Yeah, right on. So go ahead. Uh, well, the first one is almost as obvious as Deshaun Watson and Kevin Stefanski, and it's uh, it's Miles Garrett because he is on a historic pace so far this year, and for him to keep that up and succeed in a way that he hasn't yet as a as a professional for the Browns, uh, reaching that twenty sack plateau, you know, he's, he's got a chance to set the record. He, I mean, he's just he always does because that's just who he is as a player. Uh, which would be, I think, a real a, a personal accomplishment for Miles, but also such a fun thing for the city of Cleveland to get in on, right? Like we don't have many of those records in in the city of Cleveland in terms of the NFL. Those all live in other cities, so that would be, I mean, a really impressive achievement. Uh, but even beyond that, just the being in the conversation, squarely in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year. And then what that means on the field, right? Because we're talking about the, I'm talking about the individual accolades piece, but what that means on the field 
is that you're you're almost guaranteed one or two plays a game that can swing the outcome of the game because he's he's been uh you know uh a bounce of the ball away from a strip sack in the last two games. Uh, and I think that's going to continue. He's getting pressure sometimes when he's being triple teamed, which is just unheard of in the modern game. I, I think he is playing the best football over the longest period of time that I've seen him play. He's had individual games or even back to back, but to have four games like this where he has in every game been on a different level from everybody else on the field if he can keep that up that alone makes the defense relevant and like I said keeps them in games gives them opportunities for game-changing plays and if he keeps this up you also know there will be two or three games throughout the rest of the year that he single-handedly wrecks like what he did to Justin Fields uh, a few years ago so it's just everything. It's it's sort of a it's a culmination for him of his entire career, and I really think this defense has unlocked that, and then, you know, that engenders his ability to to kind of take games over in a way that um, he, he would every once in a while, but I think it's going to happen more often this year, and so he that alone can really dictate how things go for the Browns down the stretch. Yeah, Brandon Thorne, who does, uh, I've recommended his name many times on this podcast. He has put out uh, some of the best deep dives you will find on O-line, D-line play, right? So he has taken the time to chart 190 pressures of the current top 10 leaders in the NFL. So only guys, again, only guys who are in the top 10 of pressures. He charted all of them. And what he came to find out was that Miles Garrett is doing some freaky stuff. So he said it isn't a typo. Miles Garrett is posting an absurd PQR, which he, he calls PQR pressure quality ratio. I think he does a great job, Andrew. And I think he even goes beyond PFF here when he does his sack study yeah. stuff where he gives you like a high quality sack, which is extremely difficult to get to the quarterback. You have to do something special against a, a really quality talent. There's a whole bunch of ways he lays it all out. I think you have to go deep dive into this stuff to understand it because I think it's unique, but he does pressure quality ratio for the first, uh, you know, those top 10. And he has miles. He said in an absurd 16.0 pressure quality ratio, meaning all but one of his pressures this season have been of the high quality that he charts. He said that is compared. Uh, it's hard to comprehend, it doesn't fit the theme. It does fit the theme from last year's data where he had a, a PQR of 3.12 was also the best in the NFL. Uh, it's not as disproportionate to his peers. Second last year in PQR was Micah Parsons at 2.27. This year's second is Jalen Carter at 3.63. And third is Micah Parsons at 2.88. Nick Bosa at 1.71. Aaron Donald at 1.44. Uh, so on and so forth. You can tell, even amongst the elite tier, Andrew, he yeah, is okay, exactly. like he's blowing it away. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can get nitpicky and say the run defense wasn't good in just this most recent game. And I, I would agree they, they dropped the ball there at the edge position collectively. But mm -hmm. from a four-game sample size, he's doing some really freaky stuff, and they need him to be the LeBron of this team. I mean, that's kind of that's yeah. kind of what he is. He's the LeBron of this team, and mm -hmm. uh, you have some some talent around him. So, you know, you got to get some talent around him. No one single player wins a championship, and uh, he's he's in he's be, he's better than he's been from a teammate standpoint. Now he needs the other side of the football to step up to the plate and mm -hmm. honor their end of the bargain. I, I will go first, Jedrick Wills. I don't think it's a secret that this has been a progressively worse situation for him. I looked at all tackles receiving 20% of 346 snaps, according to Pro Football Focus, laid that out. That gives you 71 tackles in the NFL. Currently, Jed is fifth, tied for fifth with the most pressures allowed. Guys who are in front of him, you ready? Dan Moore, the Steelers left tackle, who he saw Miles abused to the, to the, to the tune of nine pressures in week one, I believe, or eight, something like, sorry, week two. Uh, Vidarian Lowe, the New England, which you would say, huh? Exactly. 20 pressures allowed there. Evan Neal, really struggling in New York. And then Jake Curhan in Seattle, who's stepping in as a replacement, has allowed 19. Then you have Jed at 18. And former Cleveland Brown, Andrew Wiley uh, in Washington, has allowed 18. Andre, Andre Dillard, another person we saw Miles tack on a bunch of pressures to, has allowed 17. But that... You know that's that's not uh, it's not where you want to be, man. And he's he's near the bottom of the NFL, tied for eighth in, in pass block efficiency. He's got to be better somehow, some way. Andrew Barry mentioned that Jed knows this. He whatever. I've heard a bunch of coach speak, a bunch of GM speak about it. I am perplexed at the regression over the years. And like we've been able to talk a lot of the conversations, Andrew, around Jedrick Wills is who's going to replace him, right? Like, you know, you, he's not good. He's been average not bad 
but who's going to replace him? Well, now we're at the point where he's among the worst through four games. So there is a conversation to be had about finding some other route, even if it's uh, Ty Inseki, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, yeah. I, I always want to say yeah, Nitschke, yeah, yeah. but it's Inseki, I think. Yeah, I, I don't Ray care. Nitschke just passed away. <laughs> I don't really care if they play him. Like, that's how bad Jedrick Wills has been, and yeah. that is startling. And now you realize and look at it, because like if he was just sort of the average player – the fifth-year option is fine, but this version, a 45.4 uh, offense grade, um, the metrics on the run is a 44 and a 53 for pass play. It's awful. It's awful. And the pressure's allowed, 18 allowed, two sacks allowed. It's um, it's not good, man. It's one of the worst in the league, and he is vital to just find a way to be average again yeah. in the coming coming stretch of games because they they can't survive like they just can't survive this way with him doing this so no not not with the not with the way that they're running the offense and the way that Deshaun Watson is reacting to pressure in his face uh you know uh I think it's so hard because I, I definitely am frustrated about this I'm frustrated about the fact that he's guaranteed 18 some 16 million something like that million dollars next year on his fifth year option so, you know, mo moving on from him is going to be a challenge, at least. I think it'll be possible, but it's going to be a challenge. I am, I'm just frustrated that they can't find a way schematically, coaching-wise, something to get him to be, like, the 20th best tackle in the league. Like, not overall, the 20, 20th best left tackle, right? Like, mm -hmm. slightly below average. I'm I'm frustrated that that with Bill Callahan and and you know we think Kevin Stefanski does a good job with scheme and stuff that they can't put him in more situations to just you know be okay and now I I know some of this does just come down to how the player performs on the field but man it's considering the type of you know raw ability that he came into the league with to see him go four straight years worse 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 and worse is. I, I, there are in the same scheme, right? They haven't changed schemes. They haven't. It's all been. It's been the same guys coaching him for four years, and he's nosedived. I, I there aren't words to describe how frustrating and disappointing that is for a first round pick, for a top ten pick, uh, for that to happen. It's especially when Tristan Wirfs is doing what he's doing. And oh, absolutely, sides. yeah, yeah, sure. Andrew Thomas, I can shove to the side because you didn't get a chance to pick him, but to pass sure. on Wirfs and have this be your outcome, it's yeah. It's really disheartening. So, yeah, that I mean, that, but that is if they, if they don't fix it, right? Whether the fix is Jed getting just better, playing better, yeah, or the fix is removing him and playing, yeah, you could, yes, else. you could almost say the left tackle position. I mean, the, the name that's out there is Lyle Collins, is apparently healthy. You know, I know that the Bengals let him walk away, and, and Jonah Williams has not been great at right tackle, but they have financial reasons to do that. Uh, yeah. you know, they have lots of reasons to want to hold on to their cap space with the money they just gave Joe Burrow and what they're going to try and do with Jamar Chase and T Higgins coming up. So, you know, there's that people have talked about a trade for Garrett Bowles who's in the last year of his deal out in Denver. I, I agree with you, Jake. It's not just Jedrick Wills. It's the left tackle position because the Browns are smart enough to know that this level of play, as you said, will torpedo their offense for this season. And it's in the middle of a torpedo impact so far, right? We're like yeah. in the middle of the blow up portion yeah. of that phase. So Fix it. That's what I would say. I'll do my second one first. It's Elijah Moore. Mm -hmm. It has been, it's just, it's been really unfortunate the way this is such an easy fix. I don't think I hold Elijah personally accountable for any of this in, in the least, but just let him play receiver. If he is allowed to just play the receiver position, I really do think he'll be fine. Uh, I, you know, he's had, uh, let's, let's see here. He said 26 targets, 17 catches and only 148 yards. You know, that is not good enough, right? That's not good enough. You have to get more out of him. You have to get more broken tackles. He has seven first downs. You need that to be higher. Um, I don't know. The, he's only has two missed tackles forced. Uh, I just think you got to stop doing the stuff that you're trying to make these. It's like, the, it's like it reminds me of Mean Girl. Stop trying to make it happen. Just mm -hmm. let him play, man. Just let him play wide receiver. Let him work through the natural progression. He's going to create space. His Some of his best reps have already been when he's aligned out wide here, running some comebacks, doing things like that. I Again, I just want to go back and remind myself, because when we're talking about these things, we don't mean to make it sound more challenging than it is. I think there are some really simple fixes here. 
this is the very simple fix that you don't have to use him in gimmick motion. You don't have to use him in funky alignments. Just let him play receiver. And I think you will get your money's worth out of him. And if you don't come in out of the buy based on the results you've seen in the first portion of the season, I would, uh, I will not feel great. I will not feel great. So I think Elijah is wildly important to the second half of the year because I do view him, Andrew solidly ahead of whatever we've gotten from Donovan people's Jones this yeah. season, which is, it's crazy to think the year that Donovan was able to put up last year. This year, Andrew threw through four games. He has six tar- six catches on 13 targets for 75 yards. So they are firmly out on getting him the football collected. He's on the field a ton, a ton, and he's not even getting targets. So they're giving these targets to Elijah Moore, which tells you they think he's clearly the second most talented wide receiver they have. Then just put him a wide receiver. Stop making Donovan on the field all the time. Take him off the field more. When you have two receiver sets and you play 12 personnel or whatever, just play those two guys, Cooper and Moore, and go with it. So uh, simplify that, and I think simplifying that could lead to a pretty solid answer. So I think Elijah getting better with his yeah. touches and uh, the usage of him is a, is a very important part of the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, the, and the positive way to to spin that is that it should be easy to do, right? Because it's 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 really just a – it's a, like you said, it's kind of a flip of the switch. Very so. Much so. Um, and I think, like you said, the, 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 the indicators are all there that that's kind of the, the role and, and they, they really, for, for the most part did that against the, the Titans and then kind of went away from it against the Ravens. So you're kind of hoping to see that come back, uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, they get some, they get some softer secondaries, you know, down the stretch that, uh, I, you would like to think that a combination of Amari Cooper Elijah Moore and David Njoku could really exploit. So you want to see that. You want to see them put up some some big, some gaudy passing statistics. Let's say it that way. I like it. All right. So your second one also offense and it's two players, but I think or you could even lump three in here, but they got they got to get better. Yeah. Um, I'll go with the second, I'll go with the the running back room. Um I'll I'll say, you know, it's you could you can put it at Jerome Ford's feet, but I don't think that's totally fair because I don't think that's the way that the Browns are going to handle it. I think they're going to treat it as a true committee. So part of this is Jerome Ford being more consistent, um, you know, not being quite so boom or bust, looking to just you know find the yardage where it's available. Um, and then part of it is the way that the the coaching staff utilizes the the talent that they have because i think between jerome ford kareem hunt and pierre strong they have enough talent at running back you know there's been a lot of conversation this week jake about trading for jonathan taylor trying to replace nick chubb and i think the i think what we're really having to confront as browns fans for the first time is that you don't you do not replace nick chubb that's not that's not chasing some... a ghost, man. Chasing exactly. Ghost. There's there's nobody that does what he does. Jonathan Taylor is more talented than any of the three running backs that the Browns currently have. But we also saw Jonathan Taylor struggle mightily last year with inconsistent offensive line play, and that's some of what the current backs in Cleveland are struggling with. To be quite honest, so this is I, I mean you could even zoom out one more level and say it's not just about the running back room; it's about the running game, right? Because there's also the offensive line piece of this. Uh, they have not been good blocking the the run through th- four weeks. Now, they've played some tough run defense teams, and that's, I'm sure, part of it. But I would just say this. They have the talent between Pierre Strong, who is a, is a you know, we have seen his burst. He can really run. Jerome Ford is kind of a do-it-all and is a, is a very uh, accomplished route runner and pass catcher. I think we've seen that. And then you've got Kareem Hunt, who should be properly utilized, should be your downhill sledgehammer between the tackles, short yardage back. That is enough in the modern NFL to have a very a varied and effective efficient running game. So it's uh, it's about those guys finding the 4-yard gains where they can, not trying to make everything a, a a big play. And then it's also about the coaching staff putting the right guy in in the right situation and not necessarily telegraphing their plays by which running back they're using. So it's it is harder because Nick Chubb is so easy because he can run everything and he makes every run look good. So it's very easy to just say, well, get in there, Nick, and we're going to run the ball a few times. And and whatever you are going to do, he's going to do the best version of that for you. That's not the case anymore. So they have to work together to figure it out. And it's crucial. It's just crucial because you cannot, you can't go from having an offense that mostly runs through the running game to having an offense that doesn't have an effective running game. You can't have it. 
Well said. I had to write on the topic as well. You can read about the conceptions. Yeah, great article that both, really lays both, it all out. Yeah, both right and wrong, uh, the perceptions you have uh, there about Jonathan Taylor. So we, we tried to cover all that for you because it's been a very popular topic. Um, all right, next one for myself. I'm going to go the middle linebacker position, which it's hard to find. It's hard to find defense nitpicks right now, but, but middle linebacker is one of them that stood out, right? So we've been very positive about Anthony Walker and Sione Takitaki coming back from injury, the quad, the ACL, and doing a great job through three weeks. Well, they got challenged a little east-west to go with the north-south, and I thought they really struggled. I thought the the window dressing stuff that Baltimore put in front of them with pulling guards and tackles and jet motion and all of that really caught them off guard. So they were a massive part of the run problem, not solution. And if teams can continue to make them struggle, and this is JOK sort of included, but I didn't think he was as bad. So I'm asking these two to continue. I don't need them to be great. They have been great through three weeks. They were not good in week four, particularly Taki. There's a highlight of the first Lamar touchdown where he goes the complete wrong direction, chasing the pulling players and runs into the Reed linebacker next to him, which I believe is JOK takes everybody out and there's no one there. There's just nobody there for talk playing, playing Sam. Um, so that was a really rough highlight among a couple others. And then Anthony Walker missed on that cover three Mabel. He did not process it and go with the drag, and that led to that led to a touchdown. So there's there's several examples. The grades weren't good, and I thought the film supported the grades not being very good in that one. So those two, if the defense is going to keep achieving, you know, they're chasing historic levels. If they want to get back on track with that, those two are going to be a very big part of it. So that's uh, that's my last one. Yeah, I I mean the linebacker stuff. It's it's one of those things with this with this defense. It's more like you notice it when it's not there. You know, they. Mm-hmm. I mean, they weren't necessarily the playmaking engine the first few weeks. I think JOK had a few splash plays, but otherwise, it was mostly, you know, like, like Jason Tarver said in the offseason, It's it's mostly making everybody else right has been their job. So, um, kind of unheralded. But then when it's not happening, all of a sudden, you know, like you pointed out, the some of the the misses. Um, you know, th- this past week against Baltimore, then all of a sudden it becomes really noticeable and in a bad way. And we know that that's the one area of the team that they've tried to kind of skimp on. So they need to be able to get at least, you know, average production out of them, despite the fact that they have not invested a ton of resources. Spot on. All right. Your last one. Last one here is the, um, well, I, I, I guess, it's Joel Batonio, you know, as as sort of as the as the main thrust of this. But it is also we're, we are also talking about Wyatt Teller. I have lowered expectations for Wyatt Teller. He's he's been more inconsistent. That's kind of his brand at this point. Joel Batonio's brand is being an All Pro. You know, he's be, he's is one of the best guards in the league, and he hasn't lived up to that yet. So. Seeing him return to Pro Bowl form is necessary. And then seeing Wyatt Teller cut down some of the stuff that just really kind of irks you would be a good one too. I think there's also a question here while we're talking about the interior of the offensive line about Ethan Posich and his health. Yep. I think Kevin Stefanski confirmed that if they were playing – this Sunday, Postage wouldn't be going. Or maybe I heard that on Cleveland Browns Daily. No, he that said seems, that for sure. Okay. Yep. That's so that's, you know, it would be a Nick Harris situation, which is good because they've got a veteran center who can play as a backup. Postage has not been as good as he was the first before his injury last year. He was very, very good. He was average after the injury. He's been average to above average so far this year. He needs to be good. Joel Batonio needs to be elite. That's the difference, right? Wyatt Teller can be good. Posich can be good. Joel Batonio has to be a real difference maker on those pulls in the past game. And it just hasn't happened yet. So that's the one that I worry the most about, him getting back to that because of the age. Because you start to, unfortunately ask the question about when the decline comes for Joel. And so that's the concern that I have. It's not just his performance so far. It's what that might mean for his future. 
hopefully it's just about who they've played. Because again, they have played some rough, rugged interiors. And hopefully Joel gets it on track by week, iron some stuff out. There's maybe some communication stuff with him and Jed on some of these stunt things that they can clean up. And then things start clicking over the second half of the season. I think that's plausible. And and honestly, again, this is what you expect from Joel Batonio because of what he has done his entire career. He's been great. We're talking about him potentially trying to make the Hall of Fame. And to that point, he probably needs to play another year or two at a really high level to cement that case. There's no doubt, not even a shred of an argument against anything you just said. The concern about Posich was, was the first half before the injury some sort of mirage before you get the second half player who came back from injury, who was in line a bit more with his Seattle days. I think that concern is still warranted at this point. Your point about Teller, who we think is on a downward trend, the Browns might end up getting enough out of that contract to matter, but the Joel thing is concerning lowest grade through four weeks he's had at any portion of his career. So you know, that is never something you want to see happen, especially they still have more years with Joel, and I think Joel will rectify it. But there are, like you said, there's some defenses they can take advantage of, but there's some like the Colts who are going to be really tough on the interior too. So I do think that this this group at guard center guard goes back toward the median a little bit and plays better, but for sure, you know, nothing, nothing is guaranteed with this stuff when you're presuming and teams have we just haven't seen them operate in a post Nick Chubb world very often. And I, I, I think yeah. teams have a great feel for what they're going to do when they're playing very aggressive. And that's, that presents itself a bunch of really new challenges for everybody across the board. So um, certainly noteworthy. We're going to take a break uh, right now. We're going to hear from sponsors, then we're going to come back and then we are going to cover, um, you know, the NCA slate. I have, I think seven games that we're going to pick on the NCA side, and then we'll cover all of the NFL games and, update you on how the first week of guessing lines went so uh, we'll be right back we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats. Like I said, before you buy them, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they're sent directly to your phone. All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, looking back at last week, college games, Andrew won that one. He went 
eight and six in the college pick them. I went six and eight. The NFL side, I got the better of them. Nine and six. He went seven and eight. Andrew, do you have an update on your total uh, you know, predicting this year? I don't know if you have that up in front of you. Maybe you don't, but I had I feel a. Like you've been pretty solid, right? I had an absolutely disastrous week three that torpedoed everything. So okay. I am. Let's do this math here. I am thirty-one and twenty-nine for the year. So basically, I'm flipping coins over here, Jake, and I, I right. hate to see it. Well, that's okay. It's still above 500, so we'll look at the positive there as we've been trying to do Thank that you. more lately. All right, here we go. I have seven college games. First one is a game I'm going to attend. I have not been to an Ohio State game in a while, Andrew. I am going to be at this Ohio State-Maryland game. Ohio State is getting um, – sorry, Maryland's getting 19 points. Now, this is, again, just the most recent lines I've found. So, yeah, interesting game. Maryland 5-0, and Ohio State 4-0, and and again – Maryland getting 19 on the road here. Who do you like? I like the Buckeyes to win for sure. Uh, I think the Maryland offense is good enough that giving them almost three touchdowns makes me want to take those points. So I'll take the 19. All right. So I think the points are too tempting in this one. And and I think the younger Tunga Tuvailoa, what is it, Tulia, right? Yeah. I think he's been playing well enough so far this year. Uh, that they'll they'll put up something in the realm of the mid twenties, and then Ohio State creeps toward forty. But I, yeah, I think Ohio State wins to your point. Maryland covers. Next one is uh, a throwback, a real nostalgia for when these two teams are actually good at the same time, and we have it again. Andrew, the Red River rivalry is going to mm-hmm. be OU Texas. I hate noon kicks, but it's a noon kick. It is Texas laying five in this game. Yeah. It is. It's, I don't really know what to make of Brent Venables, Oklahoma yet. I really don't. I, I was really let down by who they were last year. And uh, they've, they've obviously come into this year and done everything they can undefeated, but I don't really know who to make of them yet. Last year, or sorry, last week, you were really high on, on Texas. Um, you predicted that one well for their cover over Kansas. Do you still feel really confident in Texas to cover this five point spread? I do. I think they just have the deep passing game that you know when you have that in in college football you can kind of just always be in games you're down four late okay well chuck it up you know Mm -hmm. one of those guys is down there somewhere he's got two really good receivers plus a good tight end who i think is healthy yeah i think he's going yeah so yeah i'll I'll, I'll lay i'll lay yeah i'll lay the five with texas i think i am too i feel i feel pretty comfortable about that one so we're two for two shaking hands all right off to lsu Going to Missouri to to play the Tigers in Columbia. There's a horrible Brian Kelly joke. I hope you all saw it because he's so uncomfortable in front of the screen where he said, oh, I haven't seen I'll it. see you all in Columbia. Make sure you wear your Columbia jackets. And no one laughed. And oh, he thought no. it was a good joke. It was awful. If you can find that one, it's a really good cringe moment. LSU is laying five on the road at Missouri. I really do, Andrew, feel like I'm comfortable taking Missouri in the five here. I'll pick this one first. I, I like... I really do at Missouri, the LSU situation's a little strange having lost their second game to Ole Miss. And that second loss is the real gut punch loss because you're just out of it at that point. Um, I, I'm not sure that Missouri wins, but I, I do love getting a, like, you know, a field goal and some loose change there. So I'm going to take Missouri. Uh, I'll take the Tigers. All right. No <laughs> words other than he's going to take Brian Kelly, which if you listened last well, week, he was no. very anti-take Brian Kelly. So now you're going against your they're, one law. They're both Tigers, though, Jake. Well, okay. You're taking the Brian Kelly Tigers. Then. <laughs> so Let's any words it. to go against your own rule? No? <laughs> uh, I think LSU has a better team and okay. more of like the type of ass kickers that tend to win SEC games. Okay, fair enough. Although this uh, – this burden is a really, uh, really fun wide receiver. 644 yards for Missouri so far, five touchdowns. Yeah. It's going to be a problem. If I recall, got some dudes. Last week, Ole Miss really gave him some fits with a big time wide receiver uh, play in that one, 55 49. So, all right, here we go. Texas AM hosting Alabama. AM has always sort of been a thorn in the side for Alabama dating back to the Johnny days. Alabama is only laying two on the road. That is a hostile environment. AM's actually playing a little better. Mm-hmm. recently but i'm gonna take bama by a field goal yeah i agree with that uh i don't want anything to do with jimbo fisher in this situation i think nick saban's just got his number i understand the line needing to be this short considering you know what texas a&m is 
like for road teams, but Alabama takes care of situations like these, and I think they're just a better better football team. Right on. Kentucky at Georgia. This is a marquee 7 o'clock kick. Georgia laying 14 and a half at home. Kentucky obviously feisty. Then they beat, quite comfortably beat Florida at home. I think I really do like Kentucky getting two touchdowns. I literally think it's going to go right up to 14, a 34-20 finish or something like that. So I'm going to take Kentucky. Yeah, I I agree that that sounds the most reasonable. I think at some point this season, Georgia is going to lose, but I don't think it'll be this week. And I think because it's a night game in Sanford Stadium, Georgia will cover. Okay. All right. We got a couple we differ on so far. Next is Notre Dame laying six and a half at five and oh Louisville. <laughs> um, I I don't know who to take here, man. Notre Dame three straight weeks of uh now two two straight on the road. Both of these teams between Duke last week, Louisville at home or um, you know, Louisville hosting these teams are gonna be raucous environments in the evening. I think it's going to be another nail biter, um, but I think Notre Dame wins by a touchdown. So I'm going to take Notre Dame to cover that six and a half. I just don't think Notre Dame is as good as their record. They've had so many close escapes, you know, and then obviously could have won the Ohio State game late. They didn't, you know, so maybe they haven't escaped every time. But anyway, I, I really just think with that laying that sort of points on the road, I, you know, they did they did it last week. They managed to cover. They really shouldn't have. Uh, but, yeah, give me the points with Louisville. All right, Louisville. And then a uh, bonus game from the left coast. There's not a great game out there, but Arizona did give Washington the game I thought they would, as Washington only won at yeah. 31-24. So USC's laying 21 at home. Curious if you think they're going to cover that. Um, you can pick this one first. Go ahead. I do think they will just because USC has kind of been getting out big on teams before they shut it down. So, yeah, I'll, I'll lay the points. I'll lay all, all three touchdowns. Something like 55-31. I think I'm going to take USC as well. Okay. So we'll both take USC. Not a ton of different answers there, but enough no. that will separate the real gamblers. You know. Yeah, I, really I tried to argue on that. a few of them. It's it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. College. Col- uh, yeah, I feel like college you find yourself uh, falling into a pattern. All right, NFL time. Here we go. Yeah. Now bye week teams for the nfl this week just so you know browns chargers seahawks and the very feared tampa bay buccaneers um you know pretty good browns are two and two chargers two and two seahawks and bucks both three and one so all of those teams are off first on the slate we have the jags uh staying overseas Mm -hmm. they are technically at the bills and uh, the bills are laying five and a half i like your advice last week feel comfortable with the jags staying over there all of that London experience or wherever they, they're at Tottenham stadium this time. I don't know where they're at. I can't keep up with it. I think <laughs> they're over there somewhere. And I actually think they're going to cover that. I'm not calling them to win, but I really like the Jags and the points here. Yeah, I agree with you. They've been over there for a week and a half now. You know, they're, they're all sipping tea. Basically you know. citizens over there or whatever. They're yeah. Saying. They've, some of these guys have got their, their uh, second passport or whatever. I, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think the, it's so hard to go against the Bills and what they've been doing to teams, uh, but I do think that that stuff tends to hit a wall at some point, especially with the way that Josh Allen plays quarterback. So kind of guessing that maybe this will be the week that he runs into a little bit more trouble. And even if it is a shootout, the Jags can trade points with the Bills, right? Yep, that's right. I think so. You know, quarterback play is pretty good from Lawrence, and I thought they they were they were fine last week. And we unfortunately, I don't think we get a Toy Story dual broadcast, which is a real shame because once they figured out the little glitch at the beginning, that was kind of fun. Um, next one is Texans at the Falcons. Falcons are traveling back from London, so you get them on a weird travel schedule. And uh, you, you know, I think the Falcons are laying one and a half here. So I mean, Desmond Ritter. CJ Stroud, Stroud's ball in. I think this is the type of weird letdown game for the Texans. It could be in play, mm-hmm. but I can't pick against them right now. To I mean, I'm getting points, and I can take the Texans against yeah. Desmond Ritter. It's too, it's too spicy. This line doesn't make any sense to me. No, I, I, I understand that there's there's more to a team than the quarterback, but Desmond Ritter, I, I was I wasn't all the way in on the Falcons. I was a believer that they could make things work. 
same with their system and just give him some easy answers. He has been worse than I think anybody's reasonable expectations. Well, Andrew, and re- he had that moment in the game in London where you could see him walking off the field after that second straight horrific yeah. interception where he yeah. like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like you could yeah. the, the look on his face of like, He's, I yeah. have no clue. I'm just throwing it. And that is the worst thing right. at quarterback. He, like that, is, that yes. moment. He's getting close to broken territory yes. where, where yeah. those guys go and it, it's very hard to come back from. And, you know, the Falcons have a capable backup in Taylor Heineke. So True. at some point they're going to flip that switch and everybody's going to be like, what the hell took you so long, Arthur? Yeah. Uh, because he's, I, I've seen Taylor Heineke play. He's not as bad as what Ritter's been putting on film the last few weeks. So this feels like a gift to me to get points with the Texans. The, it's not like the Falcons have some fearsome home field advantage. And as you noted, they're coming back from the UK. So you know, it's there's nothing to it there really. It's a it's a short trip for for Houston. So yeah, give me the Texans plus one and a half. Panthers travel to Detroit. Uh, that is the Lions laying nine and a half. Steep. Uh, yeah, steep number. I know you took the Panthers to cover. Yeah, against the Vikings last week, and the Vikings snuck out. away twenty one thirteen. It's not like it was that far off. No. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I still feel like a thirty. You know, like a 30-20 final. I, I know it's steep, but some of these where you're like it's steep, I think I think I'm okay with it. I think yeah, I think the Lions are really on to something this year. And I, I think the Panthers who are publicly hunting for better wide receiver play and Bryce is just hitting that that first overall pick lull. I, I'm really gonna take the Lions to it's a lot of points, but I'm gonna take the, the Lions to cover that that 10 point number. Yeah, I exactly know what you're talking about in terms of the Lions have it all figured out. The Panthers have yet to win a game. They look a little bit lost with their offense. I, I'm surprised at how bad they are, considering I thought Frank Reich kind of had a reputation as being a pretty competent coach uh, in terms of just having a good organization. He does; He's not showing that. So, yeah, I it goes against everything – that I kind of believe in NFL betting to lay nine and a half points with the team that I'm not totally sold on. But I do think the Panthers, I guess what I would say is I need to see it from the Panthers and I haven't seen it yet. The first few weeks that they were getting the benefit of the doubt. I think they've lost that. So now, now I'm, I'm, you know, kind of picking against them until I see something from them. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll lay the nine and a half with the lines. All right. Shaking more hands. Three for three, same bet. Titans Riveting. at Colts. The Titans are laying two and a half on the road. Mm-hmm. That's, That's correct. another weird line. I don't believe yep. in the Titans like no. that. I, I don't, no. you know, I think the Titans at the right time against the Bengals, Bengals coming off that short Monday night turnaround. And I think the Titans are a different team at home. I, uh, I got to go Colts here, man. I really do. You can get points for the Colts at home. And I, I like, you know, even though they, they blew the, like, Call a spade a spade here. They they blew that game last week. They should have won it. So, um, you know, I know I know LA jumped out early, but they came back and they were really on the path yeah. to winning that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They blew that thing. So I think the Colts bounce back here. I agree with you, Jake. I think the Colts at home. <laughs> a lot of handshaking. But I'm gonna I for the purposes of this podcast, I will I will lay the points with the Titans. No, you don't have to do that. We're no, here no, to no. make it, picks. I well. Okay, fine. All right, I'll take the Colts. Sorry, right. I think some of these lines are weird. I, think I agree with you. This is okay. this is typical, and this is when it usually happens. It's like week four, week five, week six. The books start to feel like they have an idea of these teams that's different than what people have, and so there's sometimes there's these pretty big perception gaps, and I think we're yep. really seeing that this week. Giants at Dolphins minus twelve for the Dolphins at home. This is a game where everybody's like, that's an easy number to take. The Giants, I'm telling you, I'm going against the grain and I'm taking the Dolphins to cover a large spread. Just doing it. I think they win by two touchdowns or touchdown and two field goals. I I think that that's the comfort level here I have with with where they're at. So you're going to disagree with me, but that's okay. No, I'm sighing because I agree with you. (laughs) I'm not going to take Daniel Jones. To yeah, cover. it's I mean, 12 and a half is a lot in the NFL, but yeah, man, sure. I but but if there's a team it. that can put up enough points to make 12 and a half seem small, it's the Dolphins. I agree. A late pick six. It's going to be it's going to be uh, 
you know, more uncomfortable than we want that game to be, but a late, like Jones pick six or fumble off of a sack smells like how you get your cover there. Anyway, saints at Patriots. This is a straight up pick them. And I'm just going to go with the home team. I don't really trust the health of Carr. I don't think that offense is going in a good direction. So I'm just going to go. You with... Let me pick some of these first. So, All right, sorry. So, you could, so you could agree with me instead of the other way around. Cause yeah, I agree with you. You got to take the home team here in a pick them scenario. The Saints have not been moving the ball on offense. The Patriots have got to figure something out at some point. They're one and three. A little bit of a back against the wall moment for the Patriots here. They cannot afford sure. to go to one and four. Agreed. All right. Ravens at Steelers, Baltimore laying four on the road. Beat up Kenny Pickett. Uh, and probably again, Baltimore catching the right team at the right time here, even though they've been pretty beat up too. I will let you pick this one first if you'd like, Andrew. Go ahead. Yeah, I will lay the points with the Ravens. Okay. I'm I... just going to agree. I have nothing else to say. To <laughs> I don't know how you can take Pittsburgh in that game. I really it's, don't know it, how you can take it. It would be tough. It would be yeah. tough. With only four, I think you'd like to at least get six if you wanted to take the Steelers there because I agree. these games, you know, uh, Cleve TA, who you know has some great uh, little nuggets from time to time on, on stuff on Twitter, pointed out that Lamar Jackson has only faced the Steelers like two or three times in his career or something That's like crazy. that. Crazy. Because he's always he three all, times, yeah, yeah. He, he's always injured when these two teams play, which is why these games are always close because the Ravens are always playing their backup. So that's not a concern here. Lamar Jackson is playing; he's playing really, really well. And the Steelers are a fraudulent two and two. I think we know that. We do know that. All right, Eagles laying four on the road, left coast to the Rams. Give it to us. I'll take the Rams here. I will take the four points with the Rams under the assumption that. The Eagles haven't fully figured out their offense yet, and I think the Rams can score enough to keep it within a field goal. All right, I'll take the Eagles. I think they. Hey, they we did it. We did it. All right, Bengals laying three at the Cardinals. Go ahead. I'll lay the points with the Bengals, based on the same logic that I used with the Patriots. The Bengals are one and three, and they're a good enough team to know that they can't afford to go to one and four. Yeah, Bengals, look, man, don't lose this one. That's all I'm saying. You lose this one, and the book is going to be written, brother. I'm just saying that. Um, yeah, it's trouble taking, time. It's very much trouble time. I'm taking mm-hmm. the Bengals, but it's going to be close. It's going to be like a 24-20 type of scenario there. You know? Jake, is there I, – maybe that's that might be the game I'm most excited to watch, weirdly. 100%. It because is. There's no doubt. I, I'm – you know, I didn't expect to be – a fan of what the Cardinals are doing, but the Drew Petzing angle is so exciting that I'm just, I'm really excited to see what he is able to do, what this offense is able to do against the Bengals defense that even when it, it's, you know, it's not playing maybe it's best, but I think they, they, you know, they play well. So yeah, I'm excited to see it. Yeah. They've got skill. I mean, the, getting the bills Jags and that quarterback matchup early is great. The one o'clock slate is not very fun, no. largely because I don't think that Raven Steelers game is going to be, fun to watch mm-hmm. whatsoever so like the texans falcons game just to catch some of cj stroud live will be interesting yeah and uh, you know he's like to catch b john robinson uh, playing a little bit too but yeah in the four o'clock slate i think that is the one i'm drawn to the most there's two more in the four o'clock slate there's jets at broncos a matchup of two one and three teams uh, it has the broncos the broncos are laying two and a half i will i know it's zach wilson i understand the travel the altitude boy is it hard to trust the broncos and lay points with anyone there, but um, I'm curious what you have in that one. I've been disappointed with the Jets defense. Like Zach Wilson has been a problem, but the Jets defense has not been since week one has not been the defense we were promised. I really wish Aaron Rodgers hadn't gotten hurt because I really think the, the trouble they would be experiencing with him healthy would be so much more entertaining than him being you know, just being on McAfee every week. Like this team would be not the same type of, you know, tire fire that they are, but a different and more entertaining tire fire because I think they would really be underachieving and it would be a lot of fun to watch. I will lay the points with the Broncos. All right. I'll take the Jets and the points. So Andrew's going Broncos. I'm writing these down, so I don't have to re-listen to the pod just so all of you know. Um, which was not a fun experience to go back and uh, sort of hunt those out. All right, so Chiefs laying three and a half at Minnesota. The Chiefs owe America a makeup for Patrick Mahomes. Slide, slip and slide right before going into the end zone last week. I'm going to take the Chiefs to cover that number. This is another weird line, right? 
the mm-hmm. Chiefs by just a little bit more than a field goal. It, the Vikings have a little bit of home field advantage, but man, they're I don't deep, know. Their secondary is so bad, and they still yeah. blitz. Like the Flores blitz yeah. stuff is like still leading the league, man. Their cover yeah. zero stuff. I just think that yeah. it's just a bad recipe, bad formula. It's a bad matchup for the Vikings. I think that's a great way to put it. I will lay the yeah. points. All right. All we need is a 24-20 on that one. Uh, all right, two games left. We have Cowboys at 49ers on the Sunday night marquee game. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to watching that one. I think it is 49ers laying four. Yeah. And I smell, I you know, I, I've been against the Cowboys. I even predicted them last week to, I didn't predict them to lose, but I thought that uh, New England would cover. And that was just, it was just a boat racing throughout from start to finish. I didn't want to take the Cowboys though in this one. I'm getting points. And it smells like the 49ers are going to eventually have a comeback down to earth moment. And I think this has a chance to be it before they go uh, come to Cleveland. So I'm going to take the Cowboys and the points. Not sure I'm predicting the Cowboys to win, but I think it's going to be a tight game. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> Unbelievably. Right. Yeah, I, 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 I think the Cowboys defense is going to give the 49ers more than the 49ers have seen so far this year. Brock Purdy is going to eventually come back. He's got to have a clunker. At some yeah. point, that guy's got to have a clunker. Although, I would prefer he saves it for ex- one exactly. more weekend. That's right. Um, so the silver line here is if Andrew and I are wrong, you get to laugh at us, and then maybe that clunker just sort of waits one weekend when he comes to Cleveland. And then the last one is the uh, very eventful Monday night Charles Woodson Bowl between the Packers traveling to the 2-2 two and two Packers traveling to the 1-3 and three Raiders where – the Raiders are actually laying one and a half points. I can't take that Packers number fast enough. I just mm-hmm. can't. Yep. We we see all of these the same way, Jake. It's been uh, we're either going to have a great week together or we're going to look like fools come Monday mm-hmm. morning. Games I have us different on, it looks like the Eagles-Rams were different on that one and then yep. Jets-Broncos and that is <laughs> on the nfl side so that's a problem anytime anytime there's agreement like that you know there's a that's that we're not going to do well so we'll probably show up like three and 12 this week and have a good laugh it it feels like five and ten to me yeah for sure yeah something ugly something Mm -hmm. ugly for sure all right andrew appreciate your time buddy and uh you know you guys like i said i'm sorry we're not getting another pod on sunday but i don't think we're going to get all too many earballs listening to that anyway as i think it's best for everybody to refresh so andrew again thanks buddy i appreciate your time Enjoy your weekend, everybody. We'll be back uh, and talking to you soon. Very soon. Join the OBR. $1 your first month. Rate and review the pod on the way out the door. Uh, Enjoy your football weekend. It's going to be a fun football weekend where you don't have to stress about the Cleveland Browns. And perhaps if you're an Ohio State person, they get that game out of the way early. And you get to just kick back, lift up the feet, avoid those honey-do lists or whatever those are called, and uh, enjoy some football. I know that's what Andrew and myself will be doing. So from all of us to you guys, thanks for stopping by and listening. And go Browns. Go Browns.